Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. Hallelujah. Are y'all ready? All right, I got two. Anybody else? Anybody else ready? All right, we're gonna be, I'm going to be talking to you today, so you got to answer a little bit. It ain't for me, it's for you. Amen? So did you watch that video? We're talking about your vision, your purpose. Your vision, your purpose today. Your vision, your purpose. How about our church's vision, our church's purpose? You know what? You're a part of it. And, and, and we're going to let and see what God's doing in our midst today. I'm going to remind you of some things, and I, I want to challenge you a little bit. But uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Say, I got a future and a hope. Come on, say it with me. I have a future and a hope in God. Amen? Because, see, out of your, your hopes, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And we'll hit that in just a minute or two. But the Word of God, number one, if you're writing down, and you need to take some notes because there's going to be some stuff said that's going to blow you away. It's going to stir your heart. And because uh, today there's more caught than taught. Okay? Because, you know, we've all, we, we all want good Bible teaching, but you got to catch some things. Let me go ahead and say this. Sometimes you're sitting in the service, and the Lord will uh, start with a scripture, and you'll start reading it. And... You end up reading the whole chapter and you're not listening because in an atmosphere of church, it's not what God said, it's what he's saying. Do you hear me? It's not what he said, it's what he's saying. If you're not paying attention, you miss what he's saying. You do your Bible study at home. Right today and from this day forward this year, let's catch some things because it's not what I say it's what he says, okay? And so the Spirit of God will speak to you. I mean, I, I used to sit on this side in my church, and I used to say, Lord, I need an answer for this. I need an answer for this. And the pastor would be preaching on healing or something else. It had nothing to do what I, with what I needed. But all of a sudden, the Spirit of God began to speak to me and answer my question. I went, that's exactly what I need. So, you need to know what the man said, Jesus. You need to know what the Father said. But when you're in a service or when you're in a group or there, when you're in prayer time, you need to hear what he's saying. Okay? And then you base what he's saying on what he said. I'm trying to help you. Come on. So let's base what he's saying. He's going to be saying some things today. And so let's grab a hold of it. I'm going to try to stay on course here because I've got a, a lot to share uh, A lot to say. So, God's Word shows us purpose. 2 Peter 1 and 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our uh, God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace and peace is multiplied when you know God. Next verse. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. You know, there's power available. Come on. Everybody say, there's power available. By which we have given, or by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. You escape the world and the corruption through the promises of God. Amen? So as we look at these things, and, and what God is saying and what God's doing, uh, I want to remind you of some things. And, uh, you know, the promises are black and white. They're set. They're set in stone. That's part of the vision for your life. That's black and white. That's it. You, every promise is yes and amen. Every promise is yes and amen. Say yes and amen. For me. I don't care if you have it or not. You're supposed to. That's right. And we're supposed to, we're supposed to have it. So it's black and white. What's gray is where am I supposed to work? Who am I supposed to marry? What am I supposed to do? But you'd be led. 
So that's where you got to listen to what he's saying and compare it to what he said. Okay? So, so as we look at these things, we, we got to dig. And, uh, you know, we're coming out of, of 2018, and, and the Lord wants to help us. If you're in prison, somebody put you there. If you're in bondage, you put yourself there. But Jesus came to set the captives free. A lot of times we put ourselves in a hole and we don't think nobody wants to help us. God don't want to help us. We think we're in trouble. But hear me, God will help you even if you put yourself in a hole. Or even if people box you in, God's going to help you. Amen? All right, so, so as we're looking at these things, we have a purpose and, and we need to find our purpose. But how about your purpose is not guaranteed? Well, that just went like a lead balloon, didn't it? It's not guaranteed. You got to do something. What are you doing to fulfill your purpose? It's not guaranteed. It only comes when you put God first. When you do find your purpose, you got to pursue it. Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek, seek, seek. We're still seeking. We're always seeking. We're always growing. You have not arrived. You may be the biggest fish in the pond. You may be the smartest person in the room, but you have not arrived. When you're the smartest person in the room, you got to guard for pride. you got to what? Yeah, change rooms. Yeah. Not necessarily, but you have a purpose. You need to study it, study it, develop it, pursue it. How about everything that you've done in your life, good, bad, and ugly, that God can use? So I'll tell you a story. One of my youth, he grew up in our church. His brother was a fireman. His daddy was a chaplain on the police department, and he had the dream of being a fireman, and he became a fireman at 18. Matter of fact, he didn't even try in school. I don't need to know how to do that. All I need to do is run a water hose. I need to drive a truck and put on my boots. And, you know, he almost fell out. But uh, he went, and he became a fireman at 18 in the big city. And they pay in the country the same amount. And so he knew the captain at both places, and the captain said, come work for me. And he became the youngest captain or the chief told him that, but this, this young man became the youngest captain on the fire department. And so he always had a dream to go into Bible school too. And the Lord kept stirring it up, stirring it up, stirring it up in his heart. Matter of fact, he's watching somebody on TV and they said, you're going to go to Bible school and God's going to pay for it all. And he said, I'll take that. I'll take that. That's on TV, spoken to millions of people. But he goes, I'll take that. So he's the captain on the fire department. His He's making 70000 a year. His wife's a dental hygienist. They pack up their bags, and they go to Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And he's a fireman, but he's wanting to be an evangelist. He's wanting to travel and preach. He's wanting to study, and he's in Bible school. And so they, he's been talking, and he's been working with the ministry and different things like that. But they have a young man on the ministry that goes out and does outreaches on the street and does things like that. And and what you don't know about Kenneth Copeland Ministries, they also do uh, disaster relief. And so they're developing a plan of how they can go in when a hurricane hits or a tornado hits or something happens, and they can minister to the, to the first responders, the police, the fire, and stuff like that. This young man, we had the worst tornado come through Louisiana, and he was with his mom and dad passing out stuff to people at 12 years old, already doing what Kenneth Copeland Ministries wants to do. And the guy over it said, I believe God sent you here to help me start this ministry and to, to work in it, and you'll travel around, and you'll like come here. And like if there's a disaster here, they would come here and set up at our church, you know, in our community. Isn't that awesome? And he, had no, he just wanted to be a fireman. But God can take that and use it. What about you? Yeah, are you sitting on gifts and talents? Or do you have gifts and talents that you're sitting on? Same thing, isn't it? Trying to get it in you. Today we have Nicole, Mia, Kendall, uh, Lamas, and we 
uh, blessed them and sent them to Nicaragua. Amen. Where are they at? Will y'all come up for me? Come on, give them a hand clap. I'm going to let Mama talk, and Mia may want to preach a little bit. But. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep this um, short, and I'm going to try not to cry because I'm a crier. Right. Anyway, so I'm Nicole, this is me and Kendall. We go to Cornerstone Church in um, Galax on uh, Main Street in Galax. Uh, I work with Karen Coleman. I've been teaching there for about 11 years. And um, we went to Nicaragua with Because We Care Ministries that's based out of Roanoke. Well, last spring, uh, she went to Nicaragua the first time when she was eight years old with my husband. And uh, we've been trying to get her back there. But you know, life happens. Jobs, swimming. I had another baby. Got a two-year-old at home with my husband right now. And it just seemed like we couldn't get her there. So this past year, we said, okay, we're going. And my husband's like, you should go. And I'm like, mm, not so sure about that. International travel, way out of my comfort zone. I'm more of a hands and feet in town, working with local ministries person. Um, but my husband's like, you should go. And I'm like, really? You speak Spanish fluently. I think you should go. He convinced me. And so we decided we were going to go. Mia made a little video um, that I think your pastor showed here when she was selling some bracelets. And... Um, and uh, Karen, you know, was like, I'm going to show it at my church. You know, we're very mission-minded. And so I was like, that's fantastic because it was going to cost us, at this time, just me and I are going, about $3,000 to be able to go. <coughs> so I'm on my way to the first meeting to go to Nicaragua. She's at swimming. I'm going by myself. I get there. I sit down. I look around the room, and I'm like, um, I do not want to go with any of these people to Nicaragua. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. If I was going to pick people from my church to go to Nicaragua with, it wasn't going to be any of the people in that room right now. Like, my husband got to go with all the fun people. You know what I mean? The people we were close with. Like, no one in that room was I was friends with. My pastor was going and our associate pastor. And we were taking a small group from Independence, um, a Baptist church in Independence, Virginia, that wanted to learn about missions and wanted to kind of get started but didn't know where. So I'm sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, is this really, do you really want me to go there? Well, on, the, on my way to the meeting, Karen called me and told me that you guys had seen the video that day. Okay, this is how God works. He's so amazing. That day, he had seen the video, and she was asking me how much more we needed, and I was telling her, and I hung up the phone and went to that meeting. It was completely just like, I'm not supposed to go. I know I'm not supposed to go when I left there. On my way to my mom's house, Karen calls me, and she was crying. I know it's probably hard to believe, but she was. And she was like, Nicole. Pastor wrote a check, has a check for you for $3,500. And I was like, what? That's more than we need. And she's like, I know. And I'm like, I started crying. She's crying. I'm crying when I go in the house. I didn't know. Call my pastor. I'm crying on the phone to him. I was like, well, I can help someone else now. So I go in the house and Kendall's at my mom's and I'm looking at him and I'm like, do you want to go to Nicaragua? And he was like, can I? And I'm like, you can now. So because of your radical generosity, Kendall was able to go. Well, the devil tried to stop us, and I'm going to tell you, he tried to stop us in a bad way. This is where I'm going to try not to cry. I had some crazy birth certificate, too. I was born and raised in California, and apparently you can have, like, an abbreviated birth certificate that works for everything but passport travel. So when I sent in to get my passport, only their passports came back. And then they sent me a letter a week later saying, um, you need a real, a real birth certificate which in L.A. County takes eight weeks to get, which the trip was in eight weeks. So I was a little stressed out. So I was worrying about the passport, and we're fully funded, and then we sold shirts and bracelets, and then we were able to help pay for someone else to go. So we're good on the fundraising part, but I still don't have a passport. A week before we're going to leave, no, a month before we're going to leave, it's the last week of school, my mom calls me and asks me to take her to the emergency room. And this is how the devil works, because right now, my mom just called me and told me a lamp fell and hit her on the head, and she had a huge knot, and I know it was the devil trying not to get me to get up here and speak to you all. She goes to the emergency room, series of tests and all this thing, and come to find out my mom was diagnosed that week with stage three colon cancer. So we're a month out from Nicaragua. My mom has just been diagnosed with cancer. And I'm thinking, am I supposed to go on this trip? Like, I'm doubting every sign that God has given me. Like, I just, I'm questioning everything. So we're getting, so my sister decides to come out from Los Angeles and help with my mom. So that alleviates that stress for me. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. 
I know all these things, all these God moments that led to that moment. I know we're supposed to go. I'm, I'm going to do it. Okay. Three days before we're to leave, in the middle of the night, I get a text message that my dad had had a massive stroke. And I drive down to um, uh, the hospital in Forsyth. He lives in Galax with us, too. And I'm the first one, you know, my, I'm, my mom and my brother stayed at home because my mom has just had major surgery, you know. And uh, I'm in, I talk to the doctor and he says the words to me, he will never be the same. And I remember going into the room, an empty waiting room at Forsyth, which is amazing to me because that's a major hospital. It was completely empty. And I just remember praying to God and calling out and being like, what am I going to do? Like, we're supposed to leave for Nicaragua in three days, like. My dad just had a massive stroke. Like, I, I felt like, are you trying to tell me I'm not supposed to go? I, I just didn't know what to do. And that's Kendall's best friend, my dad. Fishing, everything together. So I spent every moment with him I can. Friday night, we're leaving on Saturday. It's okay. <laughs> Friday night, leaving on Saturday to go to Nicaragua. I'm at the hospital with my dad. They assure me he's leaving in the rehab on Monday. He will never be the same he can't talk at that moment. He has lost half of his um, movement. But he, they assure me that, um, that uh, he's going to rehab. So the next morning, I say goodbye to my two-year-old, which that was all kinds of stressful as it was, and get on this bus with them and all these people that I don't want to go to Nicaragua with. And I, we head to Nicaragua. And the journey wasn't easy. There's civil unrest going on in Nicaragua right now. I don't know. There was right at the time they were having riots. People were dying. Copa Airlines stopped flights into Nicaragua. See, there's another reason the enemy was trying to keep us from going. They stopped flights. We had to sleep in the airport in Panama and in, in, on the chairs and on the floor in Panama all night. So we get to Nicaragua. We get through customs. We get out. And as soon as we get into the city, I just am assaulted by the sounds, the, the view, the sights in Nicaragua. And at, I was with an overwhelming sense of peace from God. I knew we were supposed to be there. All that back home, the weight of the world on our shoulders, I knew we were supposed to be there. So we get going, everyday village ministries, out bringing doctors, playing with kids. And Kendall's in his element. Little did I know that this is really Kendall's purpose. Like, this ends up being more about Kendall than about Mia. And the only reason he's there is because of your radical generosity. Like, God knew that it was meant for him to go, and he used you guys to make it happen. So, we're there in Nicaragua, and it's 4th of July, and there's very limited cell phone service, but I'm, uh, I'm allowed to call, I call home that morning, and uh, my kids don't know this, but... So I call home that morning, and I get the news that my dad had gotten worse. Um, he'd had a severe brain hemorrhage that day, and so he was worse. And at that moment, we were leaving for the radio for Kendall to give his testimony to all of Central America on the radio. So I don't say anything, and I'm like, I I'm like in a tizzy because I just got this horrible news about my dad. I'm trying not to upset him before he's supposed to speak on the radio to all of Central America. And I'm sitting there, and as he's giving his testimony, I just knew. I knew that that was God's purpose for him to be there. And I knew despite all the stuff that was going on at home and all the tragedy we were facing, that our purpose was to be there that week. And that, that was for Kent. That it was. It was. So we get home, and I wish this story had a happy ending. But we get home, and my dad ends up passing away about three weeks later. Um, so I promised Kendall I would take him back this summer without the weight of the world on his shoulders. And hopefully, I just want him to be able to go back and, um, and enjoy the people in Nicaragua without the worrying about my dad in the background, you know. And because of your radical giving, our church didn't have to give us the money they would have given us, so they were able to use that to help fund a trip to India to work with girls that were rescued from sex trafficking, all a result of your radical giving here at this church. So I'm so sorry it took us so long to get here. I think you can understand, like, the it's just taken us a while. Karen's been on me for the last two months. When are you coming? Give me a date. Give me a date. My mom just rang the bell on her cancer treatments in December. And, um, and hopefully we're 
near the end of that, she has a little spot. We're still watching, so if we could keep her in your prayers. But I'm excited for Kendall. I'm excited. He has severe anxiety, so this, way out of his comfort zone. But talking to you one-on-one, he'd be more than happy. To, he brought pictures. He, he designed a shirt. He's designed a bracelet. He really has a lot of great stuff to tell you about the people of Nicaragua and why he loves it so much. Um, he just, this is not, talking in public is not one of his things, so. Oh, and there's he, a shirt. He, he designed that shirt yeah. right there. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? And I Okay, he doesn't want to read it. <laughs> I'm telling you, he has severe anxiety. So it's uh, John 12, 26. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father who will honor the one who serves me. And he, it's in Spanish and in English. So then he, had, he designed a bracelet too. And, and he's just really excited to be able to share, the, share about Nicaragua and why he loves it there and what he does. So please stop by the back table and talk to him about it and let him share with you a little bit. And I want to thank you for your radical generosity. I tell everyone about your church. And I, in my testimony about this summer, I always include your radical generosity and what it led to because so many little seeds were just came about planted because of your guys' radical generosity. So thanks for having us. And... So, so before y'all step down, they're really involved in their community. Her heart's the community, not Nicaragua, but theirs is Nicaragua. Isn't that awesome? But this young lady right here makes scarves for the homeless and gay lacks. Isn't that true? Didn't you help raise money for somebody to have a car? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, well, Mia. It's on now. Oh, Mia. Um took scarves and lined Main Street and put Bible verses on them for our Christmas parade um, and left them for people. She's also really involved with Water Missions International. She's been honored by It's a Christian-based organization that uh, provides sustainable water solutions and also the Living Water Message. It's a Christian organization based out of Charleston. She's been honored by them for all her work with them. Um, I'm more of a community service-based um, working with our local soup kitchen. I run a free community meal at our church once a month. Um, I do lots of things with uh, a group of people from different churches in my community. When we see a need, we fill it. So one time there was a car. Um, a lady needed a car who was serving at the soup kitchen and went to one of the local churches. So we surprised her at her ap apartment complex. We got her a used car. We were all super excited, you know, had this big ceremony, and they were going to go eat, and I was driving to the pool, and I see some smoke in the background from my house, and I'm like, oh, something's on fire. And right at that moment, I got a text message, the car caught on fire after we gave it to her. <laughs> oh, yes, it did. It blew up. Mm -hmm. It was right. on the news and everything. It's mm -hmm. all right. But because of that, we, were go we got two cars out of that because people saw the story, and so we were able to double bless people because of that. So, Praise God. Yeah. So, so th this young lady right here works hard, and she also is a swimmer, yeah. and she swims the mile freestyle. <laughs> you know, I might make it to those chairs right there, but uh, isn't that awesome? And so she's, she's probably in line for a scholarship. But this man designed the shirt. He's got a heart for God. I not you stretch your hands toward him. will not you stand up just for a second? Stretch your legs. And pray for them uh, through all they've been through. They still love God. They're still seeking God. Father, we thank you for this family, that you bless them, continue to bless them. Lord God, give them <clears throat> ideals to further the kingdom of God in the Tri-City area. We thank you, Father, that you supply their need, and we thank you that you bless them abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Kendall has a table in the back. Yeah, give him a hand clap. There's a table in the back where you can talk to him, buy a T-shirt, uh, get a bracelet, or just give him $1,000. It doesn't matter because he wants to go. And so be a blessing to him. And uh, let's give him one more hand clap. <clears throat> that ripple effect. You don't know what you do when you minister to people. And, and uh, Bob, Bob gave me a testimony. He came here and people began to hug him. And, and they broke walls down. He said, you know, I never was a real Christian. I was an atheist growing up. But I started looking at it, and, you know, I went through the words, but he said, I don't think, prayed the prayer, but I don't think I was really saved till I came here. And I gave him a book on the uh, authority of the believer, Brother Hagin. He read that, and, and he began to have chest pains, and he, and he took authority over it. And he said God healed him of chest pains. And he sent that book to his brother, 
who wasn't a believer but is a believer now. Hallelujah. And his brother gave that book to a friend of his that Bob knows. He read that book and it changed his life. And so that friend had a friend who had cancer and they said, you got two weeks to live. And he went in and took authority over it and he lived. Hey, hey. So, so you don't know what you do when you encourage somebody, bless somebody. The money you give, it's multiplied and brought back. And guess what? There's an account in heaven. Woo! So let's dig in. Are y'all ready? We got to keep going. You know, the, the, uh, you got to fight for what's yours. You were born for more. Do you know when you ask you to get quiet? When you get quiet time, you need to look at, at, at and listen to what, what you're born for. Got to tell you. You know what? You can hear God say, I love you. Boy, just that presence on you means he loves you. But, but I was talking to a preacher this week, and he said, you know, I'm going to miss Karen. We pick on her. She's a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. She'll know what I'm talking about in football. You know what I'm talking about when they huddle? You know, they're huddling up, getting to play. The church huddles, but they never run the play. We huddle up all the time and talk about what, what we can do, what we want to do. And that family's doing it. And Mia, with the scarves and all that, I mean, you see, at her job, I wonder why. She's 14 years old. What is it? What's hindering you? You know the word. You're spiritually probably a giant compared to her. But her heart's just to do something for God. So when are we going to step out? This is the year that we step out. Quit looking at your circle. Well, pastor, don't back me. I can't. Did you see all the list of things that we do? I can't. I'm, and I'm adding more, and I'm not through. I'm not through. I believe God's put on our heart to have other campuses. Man, there's people need the Spirit of God that we have and not the condemnation that they get. And we, we need to minister to people and, and reach out and do community efforts elsewhere. And I'm like... We're doing so much now, Lord. Oh, we can't keep up. And he said, expand. Double. 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 I hear it all the time. Double. And I'm like, okay. You know, my pastor told, looked at me and said, we're going to build another building. And I went, okay, I'm going to help you, but, I'm, you know, we'll do it. We'll do it. And we'll do it because of you. Not because of me. The Spirit of God's going to bless us and anoint us. So, so we got to quit huddling, and it's time to step up. It's time to run plays. See, it's in the battle or in the play is where you learn your weaknesses and where God will help you in your weaknesses. What happens in your huddle, you just look, well, I can't do that. I can't run a, I can't run a 440. You know, I can't run a 4540. I can't do that. doesn't matter. doesn't matter if you can catch, if you can receive, you can receive from God, He'll bless you. Amen? And so it's time to step out. Glory. Listen, let me, let me just read this. I, I got to get this. So when you run the play, you find out where you're leaking, the cracks in your life. And God wants to heal your cracks and fill you up so that the Lord can fulfill His dream for you by releasing more blessing, more of His presence, His glory upon a people who will not be crushed by it, but will be established by His presence. So His nature might be known upon the earth to demonstrate His goodness. And when we demonstrate His goodness, revival comes. You're praying for revival, but you're not demonstrating anything. When's the last time you witnessed When's the last time you smiled? What? Come on. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Make yourself smile. I don't even like you, but I'm going to smile at you. Come on. How are you going to break that wall down anyway? It's a spiritual wall. It's not a physical. This does not break a wall down. This does not break a wall. This is not spiritual. So we've got to get in the spirit. Because, see, we're going to talk about the blessing today. And there's a purpose for the blessing. And it's revival. Amen? 
Number two, God has a vision for the earth. Did you know God has a vision? What is God's vision? You know, I thought about this, uh, and I know, you, listen, how many of y'all ever heard of, I know you may not do it, you may do it, a New Year's resolution. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to do this. What does God want? Have you ever thought about what God's vision is? What does God want? God has a vision for the earth. And in that I, you need to be saying, I'm going to help God. I'm going to help God. See, the earth, uh, God's vision for the earth is that the earth would be filled with God's glory. God's dream is that His government will always increase in its manifestation and in its expression on the earth. His government, His ways, His kingdom. The king's domain. What are you going to do to help the king establish his dominion in the earth? You're his ambassador. You're his warrior. Uh, there's all kinds. Uh, you're, you're on his team. You're in his family. The family works to bless the father. And we want to bless the father. We want to establish the kingdom of God. It's not about us. It's about him, isn't it? How many times have we been preached to that, you know? And so, so that the, here's the, here it is, that the people of God would host his presence. In such a way, the whole earth would see the light of God on, on the people's lives and want to know the same Father, the same Savior, the same Lord. Are you hosting the presence of God? How many of you know that you're the house of God? Know you not that the Spirit of God dwells in you and you are the house of God? How are you hosting? You know, do you have, you know, if I came to your house, would you be hospitable? Would you have hospitality? Would you say, here, sit down? You know, in my, in, you know, my favorite chair, would you like some coffee? Would you like some water? What, what would you like? Would, you know, okay, I can fix you something to eat. We got some cake in there, or we got some, you know, donuts or, you know, whatever. Would you be hospitable? What about the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? Are you hosting Him well? Are you hosting Him? Are you being hospitable to the Spirit of God on the inside of you? Are you inviting men into your life? Is it so strong in you when you walk in the room, people look and say, I wonder what he's got. Can you pick out the Christians in the room? Would you shine? That's tough, isn't it? But, but, but that's the place we want to be. We want to host the presence not only in us, in our house next, in our church, and in our community, at our jobs, Wherever we go, you know, people blow, people stop. I got patience. Do you have patience? Do you have kindness? It's, that's, that's where we're supposed to live, to where my, my people are, unsaved people like, they got something. Did you know sinners wanted to hang out with Jesus? And he hung out with them. But they didn't pull him down. You know, if you put a, a bucket of crabs there and one tries to get out, the rest of them will grab him and pull themselves down trying to get out too. And you know, he'll get up and almost to the top and somebody will grab him and pull him down. The next day they go almost top and somebody will grab him. Are you pulling people down or are you lifting people up? Jesus went down to lift people up. That's your purpose. That's your calling. That's who you are. That's who you're supposed to be. So, what are we going to do to please Him? Jesus pleased the Father. What, 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 what can we do to please Him? Build the kingdom. Is the kingdom a priority? You know, several times the Bible said that God spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Would he say that about you? Or would you say, well, where I work, they don't. And where I, you know, I didn't do this. Uh, Mia hadn't said that. That young man back there going to Nicaragua hadn't said that. He's believing God. He wants to go minister to people. Uh-huh. It's tough. But, but everything we do is important. That's, that's the, where are we at? Number three. Well, let me say this. To fulfill God's vision, we, we, we need to please God and we need to obey. Let me read Hebrews 13, 
uh, 15 through 17 before we go. I want to show you something. Hebrews 13. That wasn't on there. There it is. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Do good and share. The word, your life, money, Food, and here's a, here's a phrase that the Spirit of God's been stirring in people that I've heard several different ministers say, where there's sacrifice, that's where the fire falls. You haven't got any fire in your life, maybe you're not sacrificing enough. We're in the midst of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I only put a burden of seven days on you. But some have taken up 21 days, but that sacrifice, are you expecting the fire to fall? Are you expecting God to show up in your life? Are you just fasting for a diet? We don't fast for diets. We fast for the God spirit and presence to, to shine in our lives. And if you've never experienced his presence, there's the key. Sacrifice. You got to give up things you love like the TV for things you love more. God. His word. The spirit. Praying. Praying. Just want to talk to you a minute, God. Just want to tell you I love you. Just want to tell you I appreciate you. All you've done in my life, you've got me here. You've, you've got me so far. Uh, Father, if there's anything else that you want me to do, uh, just, you know, I've been watching TV and a commercial come on, the Spirit of God talked to me, that. He goes, that's what, you, that's what you need to talk about. And I'm like, there's really nothing to do with the commercial. But it was what God was trying to say to his people. Hmm? How many of you know the, wor the world's always trying to pull you down, but God's trying to pour his life into you. You need to be listening. Always praying, always listening to God, always talking to him. The other way to please God is Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We must please God with our faith. Faith, faith. So stir your faith up. Number three, God's will is for us to prosper. Amen. I've been poor and I've been blessed. The blessing's better. Now, but let me say this. Let me tear down some stuff because there's some twisted stuff on prosperity. When you're prosperous, doesn't mean you're more spiritual than anybody else. But the lifestyle of poverty is a lie. It's a lie. Poverty is not a way of life. Matter of fact, we've been redeemed from poverty. And so we need to believe God for the better, for the more, for the increase. And it just doesn't come in the mailbox. It comes through pursuing, working, working, working. Matter of fact, ministry spelled W-O-R-K. Remember that. We'll come back to it. So, God's will is for us to prosper. Prosperity is not spiritual. Look at A on your sheet. Don't make prosperity an idol. Don't make the promises of God an idol. God's God, and God blesses. But you can't make prosperity an idol. You get off. You know the children of Israel is an example of Christians. Egypt's the world. The world put you in bondage and slavery. They came out of Egypt. They gave their heart to God. They're following God, serving God. They go through the Red Sea. They got baptized. Huh? And then they go to the mountain and get the Spirit of God's on them. They get the, the, the Word of God and the Spirit of God's with them. And He's with them day and night in the desert. It's a cloud by day, fire by night. But you know, they had the blessing when they left. How many of you know that the, they, people gave them gold, gold, and gold? But you know what they did with that gold? They made a calf. Immaturity have you worship or turn prosperity into an idol. 
Your prosperity is for you to be a blessing in the earth. You're supposed to get up on your feet and stand in the prosperity of God so you can give it out. Oh, you can give it out. You've got more than enough for your own, and you can be a blessing. Somebody needs a truck. Somebody needs a car. If you can't pay for it all, you can rally people. Come on, and it blew up. But God said, okay, I'll double it. Come on, and we get all bent out of shape when it doesn't go what I heard a nail on my fingernails broke right there. Come on. Dig in. See, see, listen. Miracles got them to the promised land. Miracles and the promise go hand in hand. But miracles got, they got manna every day. Manna had water. We don't, we don't, we don't think about that. If you had to furnish water for everybody in here, it'd be a task. A little bit more. Ooh, let me count. They had over a million people. You got to have some water. You got to have some water. God supplied. But guess what? When they got to the promised land, what did they have to do? Live on the promise. The promised land is not heaven. People have taught that and sang about it. But the promised land is the Christian life. There's battles. You got to fight. You got to run. You got to get dirty. You got to build, rebuild. But there's also houses you get to live in that you didn't build. There's vineyards you get to partake of that you didn't plant. There are things that will be a blessing that will come to you. And it, sometimes it's a miracle how it got in your hands. But you're living in the promise. So, don't make prosperity an idol. Mm, God taught them to trust. To trust Him. To trust Him. Are you trusting Him? All right, B. We need to be reminded to give God the glory. What happens when you start working with God, you start looking at your own hand and looking at what you did. It's never what we did. It's what he's doing. This is not my church. This is his church. I'm endeavoring to follow everything as best I can. I make mistakes, but I want to hear his voice. I, I want to lead properly. I always check myself, and you know, to go deeper, to go to the next level. What, what must I do? And so... So we need to be reminded, the Lord doesn't want any difference in our lives between the natural and the supernatural. There's no difference between the natural. I don't care if you work at Gatorade, you work at Volvo, you work at Walmart, it's spiritual. You build houses, you do plumbing, you do whatever. If you're a dad, it's spiritual. If you're a mom, it's spiritual. Matter of fact, I put mom and dad up there with apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher. It's so important. And so you have got to know that everything you do is spiritual. You're planting seeds, how you live, how you act, and, and what you do at your job. And, and God's wanting to call, He's calling us out. This is the year that everything, everything matters. God wants us to see that He will bless our labor in the natural and make it supernatural. He wants to give Him the credit for it, though. I'll tell you what's funny. We talk about God's supernatural and our natural. Well, God's supernatural is His natural. You ever thought about that? He doesn't, he doesn't live in the supernatural. He lives in His natural, which is supernatural to us. But there shouldn't be any difference. We should always be in the supernatural. We should always be, be believing for the supernatural acts of God to show up in our lives. It's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's part of what we're supposed to be. So let me ask you this. Can you see God's hand on your labor? Let's just stop right now and let's give him some, some praise. Just thank him for what you're able to do. Thank him for what, what you have in your life. Come on, Father, we just thank you right now. We thank you for all that you've done for us, all that you've supplied for us. It's all you, Lord. It's all you. It's all you. Thank you, Lord, for providing. Thank you for health, for life, for breath. We thank you that heaven's where we're going, but we want to shine for you. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Proverbs 11, 30 through 31. 
The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, but he who wins souls is wise. 31, and if the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly. If God's going to recompense you, if he's going to pay you back for all you do spiritually, get ready. Are you expecting it? Are you looking for it? Man, I can go back and count the stuff that I missed. Oh, that was for me. That would have, I would have been up here, which it took me a year and a half to get up there. Financially. Physically. Because I looked at myself. That's why you always got to look at God. God wants to take us to the next level. Proverbs 10, 22. Listen to this. When God's first place, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. You go and look at big major companies and CEOs and they're divorcing. Their kids are are on drugs. There's trouble because they don't put God first place. But when you put God first and he starts prospering you, guess what? There's no sorrow with it. You think, you know, somebody told me this story. There was a man who owned the big factory. Let's just say it's Gatorade. He lived on a house up on the hill, big, huge house. And he could look out over the city, and he's standing in his plate glass window, and he's looking over the city, and he looks down, there's a gardener working in his yard. And he said, if I just had the responsibility of that gardener. And the gardener looked up and said, man, if I just had that man's position. Positions aren't going to make you happy. Money is not going to make you happy. Oh, you'll be happy for a little bit, but then your character will show up. Money just reveals your character. And you say, well, that's why I don't have money. Well, then fix your character because God wants you to have it. He wants you to be a good steward of it. A fool and his money soon departed. You're not on the fool side. You're on the, the child of God side. Amen? So, so it's an issue of lordship. We serve King Jesus. When Jesus is truly Lord, we recognize uh, all the blessings come from him. It, if it comes from my labor and not from lordship, when you take credit from it, you become religious. Guard your heart. So are you ready? Number four, we prosper with a purpose, with generosity and obedience. How you know God's number one? You're able to give. Do you know if you break it down to simple things, to know to do good and not to do it, sin? Oh, man, I, 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 I have stuff that I, I regret that I didn't help, I didn't do. I mean, I was in another city in another place, and some huge tire hit this woman's windshield. And she, was, she pulled over on the side of the road in a gas station, and she was crying. Her whole windshield was shattered. And I know she didn't have the money to replace her windshield. I should have done something. I didn't have a whole lot at that time, but I should have done something. It's compassion. Generosity. Obedience. Let's look at some of these things. How about this? Your generosity can contribute to someone's spiritual development. But what we do, well, you don't work. You don't deserve it. I ain't giving you nothing. Who are you to judge? If God tells you to give, give. And don't hide behind that. Well, the Lord didn't tell me, you know. Lord didn't tell me to work. I, I prayed he didn't tell me to work in the nursery. Anybody can work in the nursery one day, a year, and we need teachers. Matter of fact, that's one on the list I forgot to put. We're starting a new class for the kids. We're having to divide and conquer. But we don't have any more room. I'm sacrificing that office. We're gonna go, you know, we're gonna grow. We not can't stop because we're out of room. We got we got to impart into these children. And so that's another class. There's something else on my plate. No. Glory to God. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. And so, so we have to be generous, be generous and obedient. And your generosity. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 14 in the message. 
Look, look, God can pour on the blessing in astonishing ways so that you're not ready for anything and everything. So that you're ready for anything and everything. More than just ready to do what needs to be done. So see, He's going to bless you with more than what needs to be done. That, that's why we took up an offering. It was $3,500. They didn't need $3,500. They only needed less than that. I gave it all. It's what was given. It's up to them to steward it. I'm giving it to God, but I'm giving it to them. You give to God, but you give to people. The tithe belongs, you know, the church, we receive it, and we're, we, we, we hold on to it and pray over it. And so, so look, not just needs to be done. As one of the psalmists puts it, he throws caution to the wind, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. The most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows in full-formed lives, robust to God. Full-formed lives, you being full-formed and the person you're giving to which grows to full-form lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. King James said, it stirred us to be thankful for you, and, it's, and, and you know, they were stirred up. It changed their lives. And they were given to Christians. But you also change lives when you give to somebody that's not a Christian. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Man, I've had people like, why'd you do that? Just shut up and receive it. You know? It's a God thing, isn't it? So, your generosity produced thanksgiving in us. Something becomes active when you're generous with people. See, that's why fusion is so important. We're changing our city. The people... Bankers have come to me and looked at me sideways like, man, what y'all are doing is crazy. The lady over the rec center said, 800 backpacks, that's a whole school. Somebody said, you know, they did a backpack drive in Roanoke and they gave away 100 backpacks. They're so excited. Well, I mean, that's good. And I'm not, bra- I'm not bragging. This is, un- this is unprecedented what God is doing, and we have our community's attention. You need to be praying over it. So that's what one of my heart is. We're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. In July, we're going to do, I'm going to try to get as many people in this community to do 21 days of prayer and fasting in July. And we want to see people saved. You know, there's sometimes you just do kingdom business, and they don't, it doesn't add to your church. We, kingdom business, to give them $3,500, didn't add to our church. But it's the ripple effects, changing people. We're about the kingdom. Okay? We're not in competition with the church next door or any church in this town. Matter of fact, we've given the churches in this town. It's not competition. I'm not for everybody, and everybody's not for here. But we want to build the kingdom as best we can. So look at the passage in Proverbs 25, 21 through 22. Is your enemy hungry? Buy him lunch. Win him over with your kindness. That's what I said earlier. Your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience and God will reward you with favor. It awakens him. Give to wake somebody up. That Ooh, God is moving. God is real. Generosity awakens the conscience of people to, that you give to. It's awakening moral value to lives and communities. Come on, in this community, our giving is shaking people. We actually contribute to the thankfulness and the eternal value of people. People are important to God. 
I'm letting that sit there a minute. It's not all about us. I'm going to heaven. My job now is how to get somebody else to heaven. That's your job. That's our job. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Say it with me. Go make disciples. Well, I don't want to. Then get, get geared up. Train, train, train. So if that can happen for, from you to someone else, how, can, how much more can it happen that the Lord will bless you? You want to increase? Give. Be generous. He will awaken even more things in us through the grace and kindness that we show. Because we show it. Now listen, I'm going to do one more. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 26. This is, this, this is about generosity. Say generosity. But I want to show you something that just, that I've, I've seen this before, but the Lord took me back to it. And I'm talking about changing our community, changing our, our, our Southwest Virginia, changing the world. There's one who scatters, yet increases more. <laughs> Your bucket never runs dry. You just keep scattering and scattering. And there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Now, this is about generosity. The generous soul will be made rich, but he, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Hey, if I do that, I won't have any. The Lord said, I'll take care of you. Now, look at this next verse. This is all about generosity. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. Selling something for a profit is, is, is under generosity with God. We think about business. We keep God out of business. God won't be in the middle of your business. Do you, have you ever read uh, uh, in Proverbs about the virtuous woman? Now, I'm going to kick some of y'all men. But it says a virtuous woman, it tells all about her. But it says she can do business. It says she can sell land and buy land while her husband's doing his thing. She's running the household, which is buying, selling, and things like that. Well, a woman should be in business. Uh-uh. God's about business. So here's, here's you got to think, when you sell something, you're blessing a community. That's why Grace Point's so important. She sells, sells stuff for, for nothing, you know, makes a little profit. But she needs to make profit. It's righteous to make a profit. Don't be afraid to make a profit. Don't be dogging somebody because they're making a profit. Well, they're too high. Guess what? If you're too high on me, I will go somewhere else too because I'm frugal. I'm looking for the best deal. But here's the deal. Let's think about it. When this was written, you got farmers, and there's some people that have a green thumb. They, they can plant watermelons in wintertime, and they'll grow. Just, have you ever seen somebody like that? I have. But I know people that can hunt, and they, they can kill or catch a fish, kill a deer, and they'll have meat on the table every day, but they can't plant a garden. And then you got people that can build houses like nobody's business, but they can't plant a garden, and they don't know how to hunt. So you trade, barter. Now we pull out cash because we work for cash. We pay with cash. Now, only a few of us have a garden. Most of us go to Walmart and pay the cash. The grocery store is a blessing. They're making a profit, trying to tear down something. I, I don't know, you know, our thinking's messed up. When you go into business, you better be making a profit. And some of you need to be thinking about business. Well, I can't do that. God will take you there. There was a time I was asking God, do I need to go in business? Am I supposed to be in ministry? Am I supposed to be in business? Am I supposed to be in ministry? Because, man, it was all good. Jobs and everything. And I'm like, I, I can be a blessing to the kingdom. And I specifically got a word. A woman came up that was a preacher. Her and her husband were going somewhere around France. 
and I was helping them tear their table down, like that young man, and they have a table back there at the end of the service, and she said, the Lord just spoke to me about you. You're asking, do you need to be in business or do you need to be in ministry? And the Lord said, don't ever doubt your calling. You're called to ministry. I said, hallelujah. So then my focus, and I began to run. I began to run. And God took me to a job that I could work and get off when I wanted to and do ministry stuff. And so you don't, you don't box in God when there ain't no job like that around here. No, don't do that. You're putting God in this box. And this is the only place God can fit right here because we're in Whitfield. This is flyover country. I heard that when I first came. That's all right. God, God doesn't fly over us. We want him to sit on us, don't we? What it means when you sell for a profit, you're a blessing to society. What you're doing provides identity, provides supply, a product, provides enterprise in our community. You are a part of a, 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 a you contribute to our city. And God calls you to be generous. So with that being said, that erases Spiritual and secular. If you love God and you're in business or you're working for somebody, it's spiritual. It's spiritual. Number five, I'll nail it up for you. How can I prove it's spiritual? Number five, everything we do should be done unto the Lord. Everything. You need to wash dishes unto the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. Got choked on washing dishes. <laughs> I wash dishes. My kid said the dishwasher broke. I said, well, I was a dishwasher when I was growing up. I washed the dishes. My brother was supposed to wash every other night, but he did a pitiful job on purpose, so I would have to wash them and he'd rinse them. I, I, he didn't fool me, but I want to get out of there. So I did it, did it right, and got out of there. And so the point is, do everything you do as unto the Lord. Where is that? Ecclesiastes. Look at Ecclesiastes uh, 9.10. How about this? Reading the Word, you do it unto the Lord. Singing, you do it unto the Lord. Your home should be unto the Lord. Tithes and offerings unto the Lord. Your workplace is unto the Lord. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Say, do it with all your might. Now, if you work for somebody, do it with all your might. Don't get in that. Well, I hear they're going to cut our hours. I'm telling you, this place is going to uh, double H double S hockey sticks. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, and you see how it is? No, you do it unto the Lord. That's right. I, I, they, they promised me a certain amount, and I went to and, and hired on, fill out the paperwork. I went to work. My first week check was minimum wage. I was a little bit upset, to say the least. And I went to the man and said, dude, you promised me way twice minimum wage. This is 30, 40 years ago. And he said, no, don't quit, don't quit. We're going to increase you. And they increased me. But I began, and I asked God, do I need to stay or go? And the Lord told me to stay. I mean, the economy was horrible in the 80s. Some of you were born, you didn't know you were born in a horrible economy. Quick joke, my grandpa was born in 1919. We asked him, when were you born? He said, 1919, it was a dry year. Like, how did you know? <laughs> Hear me. I worked as unto the Lord. I did it as to God. I did it. And I ended up doing four jobs for one paycheck, which I had fun doing it. But my job I could do in a day, I got so fast at it, I could do it in a day and a half. Then they said, will you help us do this? I said, sure, will you help us do that? And I became their go-to guy. And the one guy that was unsaved, meaning I won him by my work habit. Matter of fact, the purpose that I went there that I didn't know, I was having a Hispanic Bible study, and I had an interpreter. And... These guys spoke Spanish, and I'm teaching the Bible. And I was always concerned about my interpreter because I'd say something, and he'd go, does it really say that? And I'm like, golly, I hope you're repeating what I'm saying. 
But the foreman who wasn't saved, that was the meanest, his wife came to that Bible study, and she began to cry, and she gave her heart to Jesus. She got saved, and when I was driving home that night, the Lord said, that's why I sent you to that workplace. And I said, well, I thought I was there to make money. But you're not there just to make money. God will bless you to make money, but you're to be a light and a witness. You're to lead people to Jesus every chance you can. So everything we do should be done on the Lord. Look at Colossians 3.23. It also says this in Ephesians. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. You may work for Gary Volvo or, or some, somebody, but you, it's, it's the Lord you're working for. We're doing it unto God. You know, what, what the last scripture was, I mean, go big or go home. Go big. Give it all you got. Hit the ground early. Get ready. God will have you shine. He won't leave you there. You know, that was one of my confessions. I was believing God for a better job. I said, Lord, you know I'll work. You know I'm your child. It took me a long time to get that built in me that I'm his child because I was beat down. I'm not sure I'm saved and all that growing up, you know. But I said, I'm your child. You know I'll work. You know I'll work. I thank you for another job. And he did. So that makes everybody in the room a minister of the gospel. Offer your labor to the Lord. Moms raising your kids, dad raising your kids, builders, lawyers, doctors, do it unto the Lord. Make your crop available to buy or give it with your generosity. The Lord wants to destroy anxiety and fear when it comes to money. Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content, find out more about our upcoming events, and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.